Welcome to the Bayshore Podcast. As listeners each week, whether through iTunes or through the church app, you're part of our church family. We would love for you to share stories of how Bayshore is impacting your life by sending us an email at amen at bayshorecc.org. As always, you can find all kinds of information and content on our website, bayshorecc.org. There's also our church app, which you could download by going to bayshorecc.org slash app. So thanks again for joining us this week, and we hope that today's message is a blessing to you. Well, welcome. It's good to see everybody. Such a good group here today. First service full. You guys, good group here today. Just so good to see everybody. We want to welcome everybody that's watching uh, online. We have people that watch us online, listen to the podcast in different states. Thank you so much for listening to Bayshore's podcast. And uh, please send us a note. Let us know where you're listening from. It's so good to have you. And also, we want to welcome our Facebook Live community. We have Facebook Live. Hundreds of people that watch us right now on Facebook Live that are joining us. So uh, let's all give Facebook Live a hand. Thank you for listening today. And... Uh, we hope that you're intrigued and you come and visit Bayshore. The best way to visit Bay, uh, experience Bayshore is to be here. But we're so glad you're listening today. So thankful for that. We're in a series about our vision, what our vision is in our church. We've been talking about the authority of the Bible, how much we love the Bible. We teach the Bible so we can know Jesus deeply and our lives can be changed. Uh, we believe that everybody is called to serve in our church. Our church is not a cruise ship, but our church is a battleship. Cruise ship, you get waited on. A battleship, everybody has a, a calling, responsibility to make the uh, church successful uh, and reach out the community. So that's what we are. That was the second part. And today we're talking about relationships. Uh, and Bayshore is a bigger church. We've uh, been graced to reach a lot of people. We're very thankful for that. But we always want to be a relational church. We're very, very committed to that. I'm a relational person by nature. And uh, Karen and I really, and our staff here, and our board of directors, we really have a vision to make our church uh, a relational place where people connect together in relationships. Because I believe that in our uh, kind of electronic world with iPads and TVs and smart TVs and everything, we are kind of like locked into our own world, and we really desperately need relationships to be healthy. So I believe that healthy relationships equal a happy life. So one of the things that we're doing here at Bayshore is we're trying to create an environment where people are building relationships in our small groups and actually even what happens after the services. We have people hanging out in the foyer, don't want to leave, and they're just hanging on to each other. Our new foyer is going to be opened up bigger, tables so people can sit and hang out and have coffee afterwards. We want to create an environment where people can have incredible relationships. When you think about a church, what a church is, uh, and what God's plan is for the church is sort of like the cross. When you think of the cross, you have a vertical beam and you have a horizontal beam. We have two levels of relationships, two types of relationships we're supposed to have as, as followers of Jesus. The first level or first uh, type of relationship is a vertical relationship where we have a relationship with God. That's the vertical side. We love God. We worship God. We pray to God. We come to church and we have connection with God. That's the vertical relationship. The horizontal is, the, is where the horizontal beam is. That stands for our, our, our relationships with other people. Not only are we called to have a relationship 
relationship with God, that we're called to have a relationship with God's family, the people that are in God's family. Now, here's a picture of a cross, uh, and uh, this is a place that Karen and I go occasionally, Lake June, Alaska, North Carolina. It's near Asheville, North Carolina. It's a Methodist campground, and every once in a while, we go to a conference there, and great place to jog, great place to walk, and they, had on, they have in sort of the middle of the complex on a hill this cross, and I always kind of end up my jogs or my walks up here at the cross, and I sit there and look at the cross and look at the lake. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And, and the cross always reminds me of those two dynamic parts of our Christian journey. The vertical side, relating to God, horizontal, relating to each other. So in order to be a healthy person, we have to do that. That's why, although listening to podcasts is a wonderful thing and all that, and listening in different uh, medias is fine, there has to be an ingredient where we have relationships with God's family, God's people, and that's what we are desperately trying to, to work at. So here's, a, here's our dream. Our dream uh, is we have a dream that everyone at Bayshore will belong to a circle of Christian friends that celebrate with them when life is good, and love and support them when life is hard. We have a dream that everyone at Bayshore will belong to a circle of Christian friends that will celebrate with them when life is good and, and uh, support them when life is bad. So that's our dream. Everybody, we want everybody to be in a circle. And a circle means that there's a group of people, a smaller group of people, and the big group of people that I know personally and I have a relationship with and that I have a connection with. Those people know me. They know my name. They know the name of my kids. They know the name of my grandkids. They know the name of my dog. They, name, they know the name of my cat. Uh, that is what our dream is. A circle of Christian friends that everybody would belong to a circle of Christian friends where they can celebrate with them when life is good and support them when life is hard. Now that is true of all of us that life sometimes is good. Sometimes life is amazing. Sometimes life is incredible. Everything is good. Everything's coming together. Other times our life is difficult. So we always need people for both of those occasions. Whenever something great happens in your life, when something wonderful happens, that grandchild is born, you've got to have people that know you that you can celebrate with, that they can, they can celebrate with you about what has happened. Life is no fun if something good happens and you have nobody to tell about it. That's important for us to know. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now that captures the, the, the purpose of a circle. The circle is, is to rejoice with those who rejoice. That means to celebrate. The word rejoice there is to be, is to be glad. It even is used sometimes to when somebody's so happy they're dancing. Somebody's so happy that they're dancing. Now, the Bible says, when somebody's so happy that they're dancing, dance with them. Get in there and dance with them and celebrate. And then the word mourn, uh, you know, mourn with those that mourn, that's not like, you know, somebody's a little sad. The word there in the Greek means to sob. It means to be deeply in pain. Be with people when they're in pain. So that's what a circle is for. I'm convinced that everybody in America, everybody in this community needs to be in a circle. A circle of people that love them and care about them. Why? Number one, as we mentioned, number one, they should be in a circle because when something good happens, they need to celebrate with people that know them. you got to celebrate. you got to have people that are really pumped up about something great happening in your life. One of my friends this week 
Uh, one of my non-Christian friends uh, had a great, great report uh, from his uh, cancer. Uh, I've been praying for him, and uh, those, a lot of my friends have been praying for my friend. And uh, we've been praying uh, for his cancer, and he got his PET scan back, and all the lesions were gone. They were completely gone. And uh, he was just ecstatic. Isn't that incredible? So the first thing he did was he called another one of my friends. And here's what he said, one of my other tennis buddies. He said, i got to have somebody to celebrate with. i got to have somebody to celebrate with. And they went to the Iron Brewery, and I'm sure they drank uh, ginger ale. But anyhow, they went there, <laughs> and they celebrated. And it's interesting what he said. i got to have somebody to celebrate with. And that's what we are. We're celebrating creatures. We have to celebrate. We have to have people that celebrate with us. Think about the story, you know, when Mary, the angel Gabriel, came to Mary, the Christmas story, and that odd thing that happened to her, the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and she became the uh, uh, mother of the Christ child and all that. And that happened to her. Who could she tell? She couldn't tell anybody. But the angel told her, your cousin Elizabeth who was barren, is also with child, and Gabriel has appeared to her as well. And so the first thing she did, was she, as after Gabriel left her, she made a beeline to the hills of Judea where she could talk with Elizabeth because Elizabeth got it, and Elizabeth could celebrate with her. That's what Facebook is all about. How many know Facebook? How many, I know a lot of you are on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, and I get to connect with a lot of you guys that way. Uh, through my two-minute thing I do every day and all that. And I love, love connecting with everybody. But the reason Facebook exists, why does Facebook exist? Facebook, Facebook is, a, is a, um, uh, uh, a kind of electronic circle where people are trying to create a circle. And they want people to celebrate with them. And they celebrate the most crazy things. They're at a restaurant and they got a great meal. They take a picture of it and show it to you. They want you to be a part of that moment, you know. And what is that all about? You know, I've seen a Big Whopper before. I don't need to see another one. But anyhow, that's what, that's what we are. We're created for people to celebrate uh, with us when things are great. So in, at Bayshore, we want to create circles where there's laughter. We want small groups where there's laughter. At our board meeting this week, had a great board meeting, and that's kind of a small group. We pray together, and we work on spreadsheets, and we had, we had some laughter. We laughed, and I told some old jokes, and we had a good time. We laughed. Because a circle, actually, we celebrate some wonderful things happening at our church with our, with our budget and happening with, a, with our new building and all that. And we're just grateful for what God's doing. So circles are where we celebrate. Celebrate. Something good happens. You've got to tell somebody. I told the old, old joke, and this is an old joke, and it's probably so old you're not even going to laugh. But I'm going to just tell you because it's in my head. I've got to get it out. You know, you heard about the, uh, you know, the, the, the pastor that skipped church, kind of lied to his church that he was going to go away. And, uh, you know, he had ministry somewhere, and he left, and he wasn't going to be there on Sunday. What he actually did was went, and he went golfing. And, uh, you know, and so he's getting ready to tee off, and God's watching him. The angels are watching him, and they're looking at him, and the angels are thinking God's going to really, you know, curse this golf game, and the ball's going to shank off and, and all that. And the guy got up and he he hit a hit a uh, shot 350 yards straight down the fairway and went up on the green rolled in the in the cup there and the angels looked at it at God and said why did you do that why did you bless him and God said well who can he tell who can he tell anyhow (laughs) that's a really bad joke I know it's bad it's a bad joke it's an old joke this is a bad joke I know it is but who can he tell You want to tell somebody. You want people to celebrate. Rejoice 
with those that rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. Sometimes we go through a hard time and we go through difficult times. We go through lonely times. We go through pain. Everybody in this congregation today has walked through some pain. And the reason that you have walked through your pain, you know the Bible says about your pain, God lets you walk through pain so he can help you, so you can help other people who are walking through their pain. You say, Pastor Danny, where is that in the Bible? Well, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, I think it begins in verse 3. Uh, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. God's a compassionate God. I love that. Aren't you grateful he's a compassionate God? Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Next verse. Who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, the word trouble there is the Greek word for pressure. When you're under pressure. All of us have been under pressure. He comforts us when we've been under pressure. Who comforts us in all our troubles. Listen to this. Here's the most pertinent phrase. So that we can comfort. So that we can comfort. So when you're going through a a time of adversity, a time of difficulty, God is using that to help you He's preparing you for ministry for other people to help them. So basically, mourn with those that mourn means that when somebody is going through a painful time and they're going through a hard time and you're in their circle and they're in your circle, that you stand beside them and you help them during their hard time. And the word there, who comforts us in all our trouble, the word comfort there is parakleo in the Greek. Parakleo, para is the preposition beside Kaleo, to call, it means basically to stand beside somebody. Now, when somebody's going through a hard time, you don't have to quote, you know, the whole Old Testament. You don't have to, you have all the answers for the mysteries of their problems. You don't have to sob why this bad thing happened in their life. It's never, you know, it's never smart to try to solve an unsolvable problem in somebody's mind. What you need to do is stand beside them and support them. Now, I asked Karen if I could tell this story about her. And, uh, you know, I always ask Karen if I can tell stories about her. And so I tell these stories sometimes. And I said, honey, can I tell your story? And this is a sensitive part of her story. My wife, Karen, is a very, very optimistic. She said yes, by the way. Um, <laughs> my, my wife, Karen, is a faith-filled, solid, steady, strong, emotional person. I mean, she's just very, very steady. She's optimistic. She's not a pessimist. She's just, she's always up. She's doing good all the time. She's amazing. But back about when she turned about 40, Karen went through a time of just darkness. She went through a time of depression. I'd never seen her depressed before. She was uh, down, sad. I've never seen her in my whole life had ever seen her like that. What she said, as she looked back on it, she said she was having a bit of an identity crisis. There was a couple things that happened. We had a major death in the church. A man that we loved very much had died of cancer. And we walked with them through that. We came through a couple of those kind of things. And then, uh, and then she was at a stage where our sons were now in high school. And uh, they didn't need her like they used to. She wasn't the center of their world anymore. Now I'm the dad. They kind of need me more. And so I'm sort of playing that role. And so Karen's having a little bit of difficulty with what is her role. So for a period of a little about a year and a half, two years, Karen went through this, this sad time. 
And I would talk to her, I would pray with her, I would quote her scripture, and she would just, I would just listen to her. She'd tell me stuff, and she just was struggling. She lost a lot of weight, she began to walk, we got a dog, she walked this dog. It was an interesting time in her life. But there was a circle, a circle that she was in, a circle of ladies that knew her very well. And some of those ladies are here today, some of them were in the first service. A circle of ladies that had known her for years and had studied the Bible with her and loved her. That circle of ladies started coming to our house um, once a week, I believe it was. Maybe it's twice a month, once a week, twice a month, something like that. And they would kick me out. And I wasn't allowed to even be there. You know, I could be in the other room, but couldn't even go where they were, near where they were. And they'd go in this little room, shut the door, about five or six of them. They go in that room, and I'm in the other room. I can hear what's going on. They're in there, they're in there crying. They're in there praying. And then they get laughing. And, and they just stay in there for a couple hours. And they did that until Karen pulled out of that time. And I thought what I saw during that season was I saw a glimpse of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. Because the kingdom of God is about people in a circle that rejoice with each other, but they also mourn with each other as well. And that was about 20 years ago. Uh, She pulled out of that. She's been happy as punch ever since, except when I annoy her. She's just uh, doing a wonderful, doing well. You know, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? That's That's what life is about. So life is about, we have a dream. And I know that picture I just told you about Karen is an idealistic picture. It's an idealistic picture. But we're aiming for the ideal. We're aiming for the ideal where everybody is in a circle. When you get in a circle. And that's why these brochures are there. That's why we keep working at it. We keep talking about small groups. We keep trying to get people connected. Because we believe that if you're in a circle, you're going to have people that can celebrate with you and people that can mourn with you. Now, for some of you, you're like me. I'm a little bit of an introvert. You wouldn't see, think it when you see me up here on Sunday. I'm up here. I prepared, and I know what I'm going to say, so I'm a little bit of an introvert. I can be extroverted sometimes, but I'm a little bit of an introvert. But some of you are extroverts. I mean, you don't have any trouble joining a group. You can join a group like anything. It's just easy for you to join a group. You can join a group. It's just so easy for you. You're just, you're just out there. How many of you are extroverts? I mean, you just don't. You like people, man. You want to talk to people. How many of you are introverts? Now, of course, you're not going to raise your hand. You're not like, you know, I'm not raising my hand. What do you think? So I'm nuts? Then, you know, there's ambiverts. An ambivert is somebody that's sometimes extroverted, sometimes introverts. Uh, sometimes, sometimes introverts. So, so you got that, you know. So I'm maybe a little bit of an ambivert. But uh, I remember, you know, when I was... When I was about 20, my early 20s, Karen and I were living in Florida. Uh, we were newly married, um, and we didn't have any money. I'm going through school. She's going, you know, she's working at a, she's a dental assistant, and we're trying to work on this. We're newly married. We're not, uh, we're not extremely, uh, our marriage is not successful yet, and, and we don't have any money. We're under a lot of pressure, and we're trying, trying to do this. We're living in a, a town where we don't know a lot of people. I'm going to school, going to Bible college, and I remember... One day, I was sitting at, uh, in a bench in between classes, and I'm sitting at, on this bench, and uh, I'm sitting there, and this guy named Gary, he walks by. Gary walks by, and Gary stops, and he looks at me, and he sits down beside me, and he said, my name is Gary Byer. I'm, I'm from Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, and I told him I was from Delaware, and he didn't know where Delaware was, so I had to explain that to him, and, uh, and we sat there, 
And we talked, he said, well, my dad's a florist, he's a successful florist, all these florists in, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I told him about my background, and uh, he said, my wife's name is Karen. I said, Shazam, my wife's name is Karen, too, so you got a Karen, I got a Karen. So we talked a little bit, and he said, hey, we got a Bible study on Wednesday night, uh, Bob Lewis, is our, he's a retired captain from a ship, he's running our Bible study, and you want to come? And I said, we didn't have where to go, so we, we went to this Bible study, and we went there, and there were six or eight people there. Six or eight people, and the guy that led worship, it was bad. It was bad. The guitar was out of tune. He couldn't sing. It just wasn't good. And Bob, he did a little lesson. Lord knows what that was about. I didn't understand any of it. But it was just, it was, these became my people. And Bob was an older guy, Bob Lewis, who led the group, and he was successful, you know, had a successful marriage, so he mentored me about how to be a better husband. And I got going to that group. And Gary Byram, who invited me to the group, became one of my best friends. And about a month after I met Gary and I got in the group, and I was in the group for a couple years, about a month after I met Gary, Hurricane Frederick was a 1979. Hurricane Frederick hit Mobile, Alabama. And Mobile, Alabama is about 50 to 60 miles from Pensacola, where I lived and Karen and I lived. And uh, we lived in a mobile home, and so they excavated us. We had to get out of our mobile home because the hurricane was coming. So we're getting ready to get out. We don't know where to go. We have nowhere to go. We don't have money for a hotel. We're just, you know, I'm not poor-mouthing it. This is a reality. And so we're like, uh, what are we going to do? So we're getting ready to leave, and the phone rings in the mobile home, and it was a landline. Do you remember a landline phone? We had to walk to the wall and answer the phone. So I answered the phone, and it was Gary Byram, and Gary Byram said, hey, where are you guys going to go? I said, well, we're, I think we're going to live on the street. We have nowhere to go. He said, well, you come over to our house. And so we went to his house, and I mentioned his dad was a florist. Uh, I don't know this business. He was pretty well off, so he had a pretty nice house, a brick house. So we went to his house, and, and, uh, and his Karen and my Karen got to know each other, and we spent the, the whole night there through the hurricane. And the hurricane got more and more fierce. The wind was blowing, the rain, and at one point we stuck our head out the back door and the house next to where we were, they had like a a porch on the back with like a little overhang, it ripped that off and we just saw it just fly over the top of the roof and we went back inside. Then we lost our electricity. And so we're sitting there. And our wives have gone to bed, and we're sitting there, and we got our flashlights out. And I found out that he liked to play chess, and I liked to play chess. So we set up the chessboard in the middle of the hurricane. And he had a flashlight, and I had a flashlight. And for the next four hours in Hurricane Frederick, we played chess by flashlight. And we became incredible friends. He graduated a year before I did, and when he was graduating, he sold his house uh, and so he came, I had a house later on, so he came and they lived with us while he was finishing out his last semester, and we became incredible friends. And he became a part of my circle. And I think about, I think about hurricanes, I think about hard times, I think about difficulties, and I think that what God wants for all of us is to have somebody that can sit with us in a hurricane and play chess. 
And we want to, we want to, we pray. I pray. When, sometimes when I pray, and I pray of our church, I walk and I pray. And I say, Lord, give their, help this to be an environment. Let this be a greenhouse where relationships form, where people don't want to leave, where they connect each other, where people go to a group where people care for them and love them and reach out to them. So that's what our vision is. So a circle is, we have a, a dream that everybody would be in a circle where when life is good, they'll have people to celebrate with. And when life is hard, they'll have people that will pray and support them and care about them. That's what, that's what the kingdom of God is all about, and that's what we're, we're seeking to aim for. Uh, very, very important principle. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, great little verse of Scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, summarizes the, the function of a group, what a group does. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this, it says uh, that uh, two are better than one. Say that with me. Two are better than one. One more time. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. So being in a circle, being in a circle. Now, Karen and I love to watch uh, uh, The Last Man Standing. We like that show. We have it on uh, Hulu. And anybody like to watch Last Man Standing? You like that show? It's, it's a good show. The writers are good. The humor's really good. And it's a funny show because it's, it's basically uh, conservatives making fun of liberals, that show. And that's an odd thing, you know. And I don't care if you're liberal or conservative. That's not, uh, that's not my concern here this morning. That's not what I'm here to talk about. But I do think that we ought to laugh a little bit about each other. It's what I think. I think we need to lighten up. Everybody just say lighten up. We need to lighten up a little bit. You know, good in heavens. Good. We just take ourselves way too seriously. But anyhow, uh, we'd like to watch, uh, you know, Last Man Standing. And how many remember Home Improvement? Do you remember Home Improvement? Home Improvement. Who doesn't like Home Improvement? And my favorite guy on Home Improvement was Wilson. You know, you never saw his face, you know. <laughs> He's like God. You know, I see my face, you know. Um, so we like that show. But Tim Allen, he's the star of both those shows. Tim Allen, in 1978, he was walking through uh, Kalamazoo uh, International Airport in Michigan. And uh, he was arrested for uh, cocaine possession. And here's a picture of him when he was arrested. Um, he was, uh, I forgot how many grams he had, 650 grams, something like that. And he was arrested. He was also drug trafficking. He was running drugs, and he was caught. And, uh, and it's just an incredible story about what happened to him. That was 1978. And he was going to get, he was facing almost life in prison uh, because of, of what happened. Uh, but he had, uh, he had, he gave some names up, was an informant. Uh, was it was what gave up some other drug dealers and he got five to seven years and he got out in two and a half years but he talks about when he first got in prison uh, actually before he actually got into the actual prison when he was uh, being processed they put him in a holding cell they put him in a holding cell with 10 other guys now, this is a little bit of a crude illustration, but I thought it was an incredible story. It's found in the book, um, uh, Why Good Men Are Tempted by Bill Perkins, an incredible story. He said, uh, Tim Allen, when he was put uh, in that holding cell, there was 10 other guys there, and they had a commode in the middle of the holding cell. 
and one commode. That's all they had there. And he's, he's there in the cell. And he was there for hours and hours and hours. And he had to go to the bathroom. And he said, I looked at the commode and I looked at the ceiling. I looked at the commode and I looked at the ceiling. He said, man, I wasn't going to do it. But finally, nature being what nature is, he said, I had to go. And so he went to the commode and he walked over there and he first walked and he walked back and then he walked and he finally got there and he sat down and the 10 guys start walking toward him. As they start walking toward him, he begins to panic. He says, what happened was those 10 guys walked toward him and then they turned their backs to him and they made a horseshoe around Tim Allen so he could do what he had to do. And Tim Allen said, at that moment, I realized that everybody in that cell felt the same shame and felt the same pain I'd been through. And they stood with me. They made a circle around him. Everybody needs a circle when you're vulnerable. Can you say amen? How many have ever needed people to stand around you? Can you say a big amen? Incredible, incredible story. Now today, we're going to watch some football probably. And what's interesting about a football, there's football huddles. And I want to ask you the question this morning as we kind of wind up this morning, as we talk about our small groups, are you in a huddle? Are you a part of a huddle? Now, here's a huddle. Here's one huddle. This is the, uh, I'm not sure what team this is. Uh, we're going to put a huddle picture. There's the, there's the demonic uh, possessed. Uh, uh. So anyhow, no, I didn't mean that. You know, some of you are Patriots fans and, and you're big givers. So I'm all behind you, you know, so that's great. So, uh, but here's the, the Rams and then a huddle. And they all, they're all there, and they're in a huddle. And, and I remember, I played football, and I was in a huddle. And I remember our quarterback, Dave Miller, he was, his hand was always shaking. That really made you worried. You know, he was shaking really bad. But uh, you're in a huddle, and, and you, all, you all have a purpose. You all have a plan. You all have an objective. And when you're in a, where you're in a huddle at Bayshore, you have a, a purpose to rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn and to help each other grow in your faith so you can become more like Jesus and become the kind of person God wants you to be. Greg Laurie, who pastors a church out in uh, Los Angeles, Harvest Church on the radio, TV. Greg Laurie's a great guy. Uh, he said one time, he said, there was this little boy, this little boy that was, uh, was in his bedroom and it was a bad thunderstorm and it was just lightning and thundering and the little boy was scared and he yelled out to his dad daddy I'm afraid daddy I'm afraid and the little uh, boy was just trembling and the dad who didn't want to get out of bed his dad said "Uh, son Jesus loves you and he's going to be with you and then there was a silence there nothing was said and then the little boy said I know that daddy but today I need somebody with some skin on Here's what I believe. Here's my definition of a Christian friend. This may be the most important thing I say today. Here's my definition of a Christian friend that's in your circle. A Christian friend is God with skin on. A Christian friend is God with skin on. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning and uh, let the Lord use you to be a friend to other people and reach out to other people, love other people, care about other people? Make sure you, if you're in a group, celebrate the group you're in. Uh, make some room for a new friend in your group. If you're not in a group, just ask the Lord to help you with that and just begin to knock on some doors and begin to try to find your way into a circle. Father, we pray over this church. We thank you, God, for 
this, the, the, the essence of this message because it's the heart of what we are, that we're relational, we care about each other, we love each other. There's so many of us, Lord, but we're grateful that you're putting us in circles and you're helping us. We thank you for all the circles that are already meeting and all the people that are serving you and the food pantry and Bible studies that are meeting and people that are just doing different things for you at Bayshore. They're in circles and they're loving each other. And we ask that spirit of love to continue to prevail in our church. We ask your blessing on everyone this morning as we uh, end this time together. We thank you for the Holy Spirit being with us this week and blessing us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. amen. Let the Lord say a big amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. God bless you. Listen. If-